Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Damn, that was an awesome intro. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll catch up you later for that. Appreciate it. It was, in the, it was in the terms that he hyped me up before I come up here. No, uh, but first off, I just want to say thank you guys for having me here. It's, it's such an honor to be able to be in front of you guys, to be able to speak. And uh, just to be honest, this is you guys are my first uh, church congregation that I'm speaking to. So I've never spoken at a church before. So you guys are the first ones. So uh, we're going to be in this together. So I appreciate you guys being here. Um, before we start, um, I just want to uh, I want to pray um, and then we will go ahead and get started. So. Um, <clears throat> Uh, Father, um, I just, uh, I come before you this morning, God, and I, I just thank you for being good. Thank you for being consistent. Uh, thank you for calling each and everybody here uh, to be able to hear uh, what it is you want us to talk about. Um, and God, uh, I know that uh, I am not capable and I do not deserve and I am not good enough to be able to be up here to be in a room with fellow believers, to be able to teach about who you are. I just, I just am not, I don't, I don't meet all the qualifications. Um, and and I, as a matter of fact, I don't even come close to them. Um, and so I just thank you because you don't really look for that. You just look for broken people to use. Um, and I'm honored that, that uh, you've allowed me to be part of this. Um, and I pray that each and every person in this room, God, that they realize that where, wherever they are at, wherever they feel that they've gone or the things that they've done, that they pray they realize that you're a good father, um, that you are, the, you are the perfect father, that you mimic and you show exactly what it means to love us as your children, even though we run away from you and even though we wrong you and even though we reject you. God, just in the last 24 to 36 hours, I have rejected you countless of times. I have doubted you. I have ran from you. Even from this message, I didn't want to do it because I didn't feel like I was good enough to be your son. But yet you are faithful to come through and finish it. You are faithful to give each and every one of us our plans that you have for our lives, regardless of where we're at in life, God. And I pray that through this message and as we talk about you being a good father, that the love that you have for each and every one of us, Father, draws us close to you. God, and that you handle us with love, not with punishment and not with consequences, but you handle us with love. And God, I thank you so much for that. I thank you so much. God, believe with us and we invite your Holy Spirit into this place, Father. And I ask that you speak to each and every one of us, including me individually, Father, and very particularly on anything that we're going through, Father, any questions we may have, any disagreements we may have with you, Father, that they are answered here this morning, God. And I love you and I thank you so much for being a good God. And you might in person let me pray. Amen. So, uh, happy Father's Day to those of you that are dads. Uh, it's kind of crazy. I, I, was, uh, I, was, I was prepping for the message and, and even weeks out before I was going to do this, I was like, man, Homer, you, you invited me to speak on Father's Day. I am, I am not a father. I am not even married. I don't even have a girlfriend. And you want me to speak on Father's Day. All right, so let, let's do this. All right, you want so I was like, okay, the pressure's on, right? And so as I started to get ready, um, God began to reassure me that he is going to uh, reveal himself today. He's, gonna, uh, he's given me something that um, I, I'm very nervous to speak about uh, because I don't want to hit any, uh, I don't want to miss, uh, miss talk any of these things. And and so uh, I, I was super nervous as I was going to this. But as I began to uh, prep this message, uh, God began to give me reassurance um, that, that uh, not only was it for me, but it's for us in this room. 
right? And so uh, we are going to be in uh, Genesis, okay? And uh, we're going to go through uh, like four chapters, okay? And I know that's like, oh, dang, that's, that's a lot of chapters, right? Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm, we're going we're gonna to kind of just go through, a sto- through these four chapters, and I want to tell you guys uh, a story about three men, okay? We're going to cover three characters today. Uh, it's going to be a man named Terah or Terah and his son, Abraham, and then their grandson, Lot, okay? And so we're going to talk about these three men, and we're going to go through their storyline, and we're going to see how God is so faithful through the process, okay? And so first, um, I want to start off with Terah, right? Terah is, or Terah, is the, uh, is the man right now in charge. He is the, the, the leader. He's the father of Abraham, and uh, he has three other sons, right? So it's Terah, and he has three other sons. Their names are Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, right? And so right now, uh, uh, Terah is living in a, in, a, in a land, right, where um, these people are not following God. They're worshiping other gods, okay? So what they're doing is they're finding any, anything that makes them feel good, and they start to worship them. And Terah is sitting there, and uh, he has three sons. Everything's going good, and he lets his sons do whatever they want. He's not, he's not parenting them. He's not being a good father to them. Um, he's actually wealthy. Um, he's actually making all this money. Um, and so he starts to uh, just kind of let his, his sons do whatever they want. And he's in a comfortable position, right? So he had it all. He did everything on his own strength. Didn't really care about what his kids believed in. Worshipped whatever God was popular at the time, right? So whatever movement was going on, he was going to be down to just be like, you know what? Let's, let's just go ahead and worship this God. I'll, I'll pay what I have to pay here. I'll do this. I'll do that. And everything was perfect in his world, right? So he's there. Um, he's rich. He has three sons. His sons are thriving. His oldest son, Haran, has a grandson named Lot. And he's like, yes, my oldest son. And back in the, in the, in the Hebrew times, if your eldest son is doing well, you know, that's considered very good. So you can imagine Terah feeling good about himself. He's making all this money. He has three sons. His oldest son is thriving. And his youngest son, or his oldest son, has a grandson named Lot who's going to inherit all these things. And so everything is going according to plan, right? But one, one thing that we don't realize about Terah is he's not fearful of God. He's not following God. And he doesn't feel that he needs God. He's comfortable because of all the things he has accomplished, right? And so he's there with his three sons and his grandson, Lot. But all of a sudden, tragedy hits. His oldest son dies, premature death, right? His oldest son dies, and when your oldest son dies, in that time, you, you lose everything, according to the father. Like, that, that's just devastating. And, and any son, any father who loses a son or a daughter is devastating in general. And at this time, he's, he's devastated because everything he has done... All that he's worked for, his comfortability, everything that he could do in his own strength, this cannot help the loss of his son. And so because he a man, he's a man and a father who was not fearful of God, who was not following God, and he didn't feel that he needed God, when tragedy hits, he panics and he freaks out and he does not know what to do. And so what he does, he, uh, he gets up and he leaves. He leaves the land because he gets scared because he realizes there's nothing that can help me now, so I'm just going to flee. Like, I'm going to run, and I don't know where I'm going. I'm just going to go. So he leaves, and he picks up his family. So now he has Abram, and we have a guy named Lot, which was Haran's son. That was the oldest son that died. We have Lot, who now is a grandson, who doesn't have a dad now. So you have a grandfather who is disobedient and lazy and selfish because now he doesn't know how to take care of his family, and this tragedy hits. So he uproots his family, and he takes his son Abraham, and then he takes his grandson Lot. Right? So they all travel. He takes the family and they travel and they're going to this one destination. But they settle in this one part of the land. Right. And this land is called uh, Haran. Right. That's that's what the land's called. 
And uh, so they go and he settles there. But as he leaves, we have a man that, that panics and flees and he has no plan. He has no vision. He has no guidance. And he has no leadership. And he takes Lot, a fatherless child who just lost his dad. And he takes him with this mindset. So you have Abram, Abraham, whose dad is uh, Terah, the grandson Lot. And they're following this man who is not fearful of God. He has no guidance in any of that. And they're following him out of the land that they're promised, right? So he's there. And now we have a father uh, who, is, who is just not led by God. And now they are in danger. And when a father and leader does this, he puts in danger the people he's entrusted. And he cannot offer any guidance, a plan or a vision. And all he has to do is he, all he has is he could tell his sorrows and his failures without any advice how to overcome them. So you can imagine the mindset that's going on. Well, what happens is Terra settles. He settles down. And without, he panicked. And he, when he takes off, he just settles in this land and he gets comfortable again. Um, and he dies. And so now he dies comfortably without leaving any instructions to his son or his grandson on where to go. So finally... Uh, we transition now to uh, Abraham and Lot, okay? And so Abraham is there, and he's already a grown man. And God comes to Abraham, and he realized that his father, Terah, was disobedient. But he honored his father because Abraham was his son. So he goes to Abraham, and he says, hey, Abraham, I, uh, I want you to, uh, to uproot, and I want you to... Can I pray again? Can I pray again? Father. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I love you. And I know you love us. God, speak to us this morning. I have so much going on in my mind, in my heart. I don't feel worthy, God. I don't feel worthy. I'm sorry. God, clear our minds. Clear our minds, Father. I don't feel worthy. But God, you make me worthy because of your goodness and your perfection. Be with us. So we see Abraham, who has now had a disobedient father, and now he has a nephew who he has to provide for. And you can imagine Lot at this point. Right? Lot has just lost his biological father, um, and he has a disobedient grandfather. So now all the men in his life are now have walked out on him or have failed him. So you can imagine Lot's mindset here in this point and Abraham is there and he gets called by God and Abraham tells God, God tells Abraham hey I need you to take your family out of this land where your father settled because this is not what I have for you I have more for you I have way more for you you know and just because your father was disobedient and just because your father had no guidance and your father did not want to submit to me or your father did not seek advice from me he just took you and left that doesn't mean that that has to be you and I want to show you what a real father is and he says hey I want you to get up <clears throat> And I want you to take everything that you have here, all the things that you've made, all the money that you've made, all the livestock, all the people that you've taken into your home, and don't forget Lot. And I want you to get up, and I want you to go to the land that I promised you, and this land is called Canaan. I need you to go over there. 
because that is what I have for you. That is what I have for you. You see, because, we, because Abraham had a disobedient father, a father who wasn't sold out to God, he was led astray and he had, to, he had to live in a land that was not promised to him. But God in his love, mercy, and grace did not punish any of them, but instead he met Abraham where he was at. And he said, Abraham, I have more for you. I have more for you. And I have many things that I want to do through you. So if you would, uproot your family and go to this land called Canaan. Abraham, listen. He listens. He's a man who obeys God. He a man, he's a man who is in close relationship with God. He's a man who seeks God first, then takes action. So he goes. And when he gets there, he arrives in the land that God has promised him. And not only that, he gets there, but God tells him, hey, I need you to go to this place called Shechem. Or Shechem right? I need you to go over there because I want to show you something. Right? So here you have a man who was sold out, and he's listening. He's listening to what God is telling him. Right? So he goes, and he goes to this land called Shechem, and he says, hey, God tells him, hey, you see how far this is from, me, from where I promised? The land that I promised you is Canaan, and this is Shechem. You see the distance here. Not only do I want to give you Canaan, but I want to give you all of this, and I'm going to give it to you. And Abraham says, yeah, but yeah, God, this land is occupied right now. There's Canaanites here. There's people that are living here. There's no way that I could take them, right? And he says, just, just trust me. I'm going to give this to you. Right? So Abraham, everything's going good. He builds an altar that he builds like the statue, and he worships God there. And he goes back to his home and he says, hey, Abram, I, I want to take you to another place. Come on, let's go. So Abram gets up and he's being obedient and he's listening to God. And right now his family's thriving and, and, and Lot, is see, Lot is seeing this. Lot is seeing a man who is chasing after God. Lot is, seeing is a man, Lot is seeing a man who's a friend with God. And he's learning these things, right? And he says, hey, Abraham, I want to, God says, Abraham, I want to take you to another place. And he goes to a place called Bethel. And he says, hey, you see how far this is too? Like, I want to give you all of this as well. And so... Abraham builds an altar there, and he starts to worship God. And right now, everything is going good for God. He's a man who seeks God. He's a man who's sold out for God. He's a friend of God. But there's one problem. There's one problem. As, as good as all this sounds, his problem is that he's a man. That's his, that's his problem. He's a man. And like all of us, when tragedy hits or something strikes, we start to lose faith. As I'm going, if I'm being transparent with you, as I'm going through this message, I, I feel that it's not good enough. And so I start to lose faith that God won't speak. Tragedy hits. We flee and we panic. So he goes. He's there in the land that God has promised him. Well, a famine hits. For those of you who don't know what a famine is, it's, the, it's like a, a sickness hits the land. But see, this is the land that God promised him. This is the land where God took him out of place. And he's like, hey, I want to give you all of this. But just because something small happened in the land... He gets scared because he is flawed and because all men are flawed, no matter how good of a father he was, he gets scared. And what does he do? He takes his wife and he takes Lot and the rest of his family and he goes to Egypt because there's a king there who he feels that can help him more than what God has promised him. And so he goes, but before he goes, now he's doing things in his own strength. Now he thinks that I can handle this. I'm a man. Look what I've done. Look where I've taken us. I can, God, you know, you're, you're not really taking care of me the way you said you were. So you know what? I'm going to do things on my own strength. You know what? I'm going to take my family because a famine hits you. Obviously, don't care about us. So I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to protect my family. So he takes them and he's going to Egypt because there's a king there. Again, that he feels can, that can help him more than God. And so a lot of the times when, when we are following God or, or, or we're, we're in relationship with God and things don't look right and something else looks more pleasing, we take the people that God has entrusted us with and we take off to the other place because we feel that God is not 
giving us, our, giving us things in our own circumstances. Or he's not giving us things that, the way we want to. So he goes and he takes off. But before he gets, gets into Egypt, he tells his wife, Sarah, he says, Sarah, you're hot. All right? You're beautiful. And uh, if I go into this place and they know you're my wife, they're going to kill me. And they're going to take you. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to lie to the king. We're going to tell him that you're my sister. All right? So you can't be kissing me and all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to go in there. We got to like brother and sister. All right? And Sarah was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to trust you because you're my leader. And the people that are around him, we're going to trust you, Abraham, because you're our leader. Because we saw what God has done with you. We saw what God is doing with you. And we, we believe that God has called you. God struck the land and you took off. So this is all part of God's plan, right? So they're trusting him. They're trusting the leader who was panicked, who panicked and, led, and left. So like, okay, we're going to do what you say. So they walk in there. And he was right. Everybody's checking out Sarah. Right? Everybody wants to be with her. And Abraham doesn't say nothing. Right? Because he's trying to protect himself. He's lying. He's lying so that way he can protect himself. And, when he's, and because his, of his lies, he puts his wife, Lot, and, his, and, his, and the people around him in jeopardy. So now you can imagine Lot. He sees Abraham doing all these things. And now he sees Abraham lying to protect the family. Okay. So he goes, and now the king sees Sarah, the king Pharaoh, and he says, hey, uh, bring her into my palace, right? So he goes into the palace, and he starts to talk to Sarah. And because of this, because the king likes Sarah, he thinks she's hot, he gives Abraham wealth. He gives him all this wealth, cattle, goats, donkey, anything he wants. Because he thinks that if I'm good to the brother, I'll be able to get the sister, right? So I'm trying to get them to like me, right? Well, sure enough... King Pharaoh marries Sarah. And when he marries Sarah, another famine hits the land. Another disease hits the land. And the reason that this happens is because Pharaoh is committing adultery. What he's doing is he's marrying another man's wife. But he didn't know this because he's being lied to. He thinks it's the sister. And so now Abraham is there. He's working. He says, yes, my lie has worked. All my efforts are working. I have now tricked God. I left God. And now I'm doing my own thing. And I'm in Egypt and things are working. I'm making all this money. I'm fooling this king. I have my family here. I'm able to get them whatever they want. Lot's here. I mean, Lot, yeah, he doesn't have his dad. And yeah, his grandpa died. And yeah, I'm just his uncle. But I'm giving him everything he wants. He's fine. He's good. I'm making all this money, right? This king thinks that that's my sister. And he's giving me all this stuff. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting him. Well, when the, uh, when the famine strikes, King Pharaoh calls in Abraham. And he says, hey, why didn't you tell me that this was your sister, or that this is your wife? Because I have married your wife, God has now condemned me. See, your God has not left you. Even though you left him, he has not left you. And when you, you lied to me, and now that I'm married your wife, he has struck my land, and now our crops are gone, everything's dying, so I need you to get out of here. Like, leave and take your wife with you. Get out of here. And so now we have a man who was once so in love with God. We have a man who was a friend of God. We have a man who is leading very well, now being thrown out by someone else who doesn't even believe in the same God. So you can imagine the embarrassment Abraham has. So he's kicked out of the land. He takes his wife and he takes Lot and all the people that he's entrusted with. And they're, they're looking at him like, dude, what, what the heck did you just do? Like, what? what 
What's going on? So Abraham is now a rock bottom. After he tried to figure things out on his own without God. So now Abraham has no place to go. But this is what I love about Abraham. This is what I love about God. It may seem like all hope is lost for Abraham, but what does he do? Do you remember that place I told you about Bethel? He goes over there. He goes to the last place that he talked to God. Because he's like, you know what? I screwed this up. Like, this is bad. I just got my family kicked out of land. I lied to a king. I didn't trust you, God. I I need you. If we could just do what Abraham did when he hit rock bottom, the battle to continue to move forward in the storm has already been half won. I'm going to say that again. If you are at rock bottom, if we hit rock bottom, if you would just choose to go to the last place that you talked to God or that you met God, half of that battle of walking through that storm is already half won. Half the battle is already won because you literally just went back to the one who has saved you before. It's already won. So he goes and he goes back to Bethel and he cries out. And he's like, God, I, I need you. I need you. And I, and I, and I love, I love God, you know what he was doing? He was waiting there for him. He was waiting for him. He's like, my son. And he's holding him. And he's excited with him. And now things are looking up for Abraham. But then there's Lot. The son who is fatherless. He's a full-grown man now. And his whole life he's seen men of God fail him. He's hurt. He's a hurt man. He's a man that is possibly angry with God because he feels that God is the cause of his fatherlessness. So he's upset. He's pissed. His grandfather didn't trust God. He died. His real dad died. And now this guy, Abraham, his uncle, has just gotten kicked out of the land. And now he goes back to Bethel. He's he's mad. And with all these issues that Lot is going through, there's one more ingredient that makes this even worse for him. With all this hurt that he has within him, the last ingredient to make it really bad is he's a rich man now. Because when King, when King Pharaoh kicked out Abraham, he gave him all the stuff that he gave him before he left him with it, and he also made Lot rich. So Lot is hurt, he's angry, he feels fatherless, he feels like he doesn't need any, anybody, and he's rich. So now... They have all, Abraham has all of his money, and Lot has all of his money. And back then it was cold, gattles, I mean, cattle, goats, all these things, right? Livestock. And so now they're there, and Abraham and Lot get into an argument because the land that they're staying in does not fit all their wealth. And so Lot's like, hey, man, like, I, like I, don't, I, don't really, I don't really care where you're at or what you have. This, like, something needs to go on because it doesn't fit in here. Like, our, our stuff doesn't fit, and uh, I'm not going to entrust you with any of my stuff. I'm going to keep mine because uh, I saw what happened to you last time. You know, you got kicked out of Egypt, and uh, you disobeyed God. And, like, I don't even want anything to do with your God, but I need to keep mine. And so something needs to happen. Either you need to get out of here or we need to settle something because I'm, I'm just not I'm, I'm not I'm not cool with you like that. I have all my stuff, and I need something needs to happen. And Abraham, as, he's, as he hears a lot. He hears the hurt in his voice. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a lot? 
I don't blame him for being angry. Every man that he's entrusted, every man that, that God said was good has left him. And now he's mad. So Abraham hears him. And, he, and he's hurting. And he realizes like, oh my goodness. Because I wasn't a good leader and because I wasn't a good father, look what I've done to him. Because I didn't lead him right, he's hurt. And with a heavy heart, he says, hey, Lot, let's not fight. You can have any of the land you want and take your stuff. I'll give you your pick. Knowing that if he did that, he was going to get the bad end of the stick. And Lot, rubbing his hands together, and he's smiling, he's smirking. Because now it's his chance. It's his chance to give back, and not only God, but Abraham, his grandfather and his dead father. Finally, after all these years, he has the upper hand and has the opportunity to do someone dirty because he feels that he's been done dirty his whole life and now he wants to return the favor. So he's excited. And what makes it more exciting, it's even more sweeter that he gets to wrong Abraham because Abraham is supposed to be this man of God. And so he's like, all right, now it's my turn. You guys have left me my whole life. You guys have hurt me. And now I don't need you. And it's obvious that I don't need you because I have more money than you. So I'm going to get the good land. It's about dang time that something good happens to me, right? Abram and his, I mean, uh, Lot and his hurt and his frustration. He takes the good land and Abraham with his heart, his heavy heart and the love that he has for Lot. You got you to think about it. Lot's like a son to him. He raised Lot since he was a kid. And he says, hey, you, you can have it. Take it. Take it. I'll give it to you. And I love that because a lot of the times when we get angry with Jesus and we're so upset because we feel that he's the issue, we feel that he's the one that has caused all the pain in our life. And then we start to go to Jesus and say, man, I need this, 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 and this. And sometimes God gives us over to the desires of our heart, not because, because like we're, we're more in authority, but because he loves you and he'll give you what you choose. He'll give you over to that just like he gave Abraham Egypt. He gives Lot the land. And Abraham says, you can have it. You can have it. And there's, I understand that you're hurt. And, and I know that there's nothing I can tell you right now. As a matter of fact, he probably felt guilty. He's like, you know what? You deserve it, man. You deserve it. So he gives it to him. Lot is now living comfortable. He has finally hurt the person and the people that he feels have hurt him. He has embarrassed the one who God has appointed as leader. Therefore, he has pulled a fast one on God because he has hurt him, because he feels that God has hurt him his whole life and caused him to be without a father. But God shows up. Tragedy hits. And now the place where Lot is staying has become a battleground of nine kings. Nine kings are now fighting, fighting each other where he's staying. And now Lot has become a POW, a prisoner of war, and has lost all his riches. And he has hit rock bottom. He's lost it all. A messenger escapes that war and he goes to Abraham. And Abraham, I could, I could just imagine Abraham, you know, carrying probably a sack of potatoes or something, walking, thinking about Lot. He's like, I scooped this up. Walking, right? Putting it down. Threshing wheat, making bread, spending time with Sarah. And this guy comes and he says, Hey, he comes, Hey, Abraham, 
I have news for you. And he's like, yeah, well, what is it? Lot has been captured. That war that you hear about that's going on, Lot has been captured and he's a POW. Lot drops, every, I mean, Abraham drops everything he has and he's been waiting for this moment. He's excited. He's been waiting for this moment like a father to him. Just as God's waiting for us to call on him because he loves us, when God gives you over to your land because you want it more than you want God and he gives it to you, he simply just waits for you to hit that rock bottom so you can come back to him. But he's watching you the whole time. So the whole time, God was watching Lot. So he runs over there and he says, hey, you got to understand, Lot has been taken prisoner. And so Abraham, he drops everything he has and he says, hey, get my finest men, my finest warriors, my elite warriors. I need you to get them and I need you to ready them, right? Because we are going to go rescue Lot. He gathers his best just as God has sent not his strongest son, not his biggest son, not his smartest son, not his most gifted son, not his skinniest son, his only son. Abraham sends his best for Lot, just as God sends his best for us. 318 elite warriors. And so Abraham is mostly known for sitting under a Bible, sitting under a tree, reading his Bible. He's this man of God. He's prayerful. He's that. But here we see a warrior. We see a man who, is, who has passion and who, who is a good father, and he misses Lot, and he wants to finally lead the way that God wants him to, so he gets angry with passion because he realizes that Lot has been taken prison. He gets up, and now we see not only a man of God, but we see a warrior, we see a soldier, and not only a soldier, but we see a general because he rallies 318 men to, not, to, to, to go into war, but not just any war. They're going to go up against four kings, four kings who have just previously beat five other kings and were outnumbered. Lot without any fear, I mean Abraham without any fear and any doubt, just passion and love for Lot. He goes. And he not only beats this four, he beats the four kings, he rescues Lot. And he takes everything that Lot, that they took from Lot, and he gives it back. And at this moment, Lot experiences real love. He realizes that he's not fatherless. Lot realizes that God has noticed him all along. So we see a grandfather who was kind of iffy with God, doing his own thing. His oldest son dies. He panics and he flees, okay? We leave that right there. We see Abraham. He's doing good with God. A famine hits the land. He panics and he flees. We'll leave that there. We see Lot, who's wealthy, who doesn't even like God probably angry with God. Gets what he wants. Famine or a war hits the land. Panics and flees. And he's there. But the dominant thing that we see is Jesus showing up every time. Every time. And just to get very transparent with you, I want, I want you guys to know something. Uh, I think I resonate so much with Lot because I could see myself in them. And I'm gonna tell you why, I'll get very real with you guys. And I, I, told, I told my parents, hey, I'm gonna get real with this message, so don't be mad at me, all right? So, um, and, and again, I won't take too long in this, I wanna honor your guys' time. But uh, my biological father left when I was 12, right? Alcoholism, all these things. Um, I saw things that a, that a young boy should never see uh, happen to his mom, and so, at this time, it, it developed a lot of anger issues in me, and, and they always wondered why I got in trouble in school, but it was because I felt fatherless. I felt like Lot. 
I saw all the other kids with their dads and hanging out and stuff like that. I saw their dads buying them cleats for football, showing up to their practices. They didn't show up for mine. I was angry. I didn't want to pay attention in school. For what? Especially if it was a male teacher. After that, my mom remarries. She meets my stepdad. My stepdad was involved in narcotics and drugs. I did fall in love, but then he was taken from me too. So just as I began to feel like, man, I'm not fatherless, I'm not, I'm not this way, another man is taken from my life. And so I'm angry at this point, I'm upset. And I'm like, man, God, what, what the heck? Like first you do this, you take my biological, then you take the one who I'm following, my stepdad, and now who, who is there to love me now? Like I, I wish, I was wishing that someone, like my dad would just come through and say, hey, I'm proud of you. I love you. So I was angry and I was upset and it's probably the reason why I lashed out a lot. So all these things were going on and I resonated with them. But God, but God, the awesome thing is through all that pain and chaos, God was, in the, in, God was there. And I'll tell you how. When, when my biological father left me, I started to really feel some, I felt the fatherlessness. I felt what it's like to feel like not, not having a dad. Well, luckily God brought another man into my life named Brian Funk, right? Mr. Funk, Pastor Funk, right? And uh, he, the way that Homer hypes me up, that's what he would do. Like, man, I see something in, in you. you. You could be a great leader one day. You could do this, you could do that. And I'm like, whatever, dude. I'm literally just here because you, you take me out to eat. So that's why I'm here, right? And uh, it wasn't until three months into our relationship he started talking to me about God's love. And the only reason that I believed him was because he was living it out. He was having a kid, on, he, had, he had two, he had a wife and a baby and a baby on the way. He, had not to, he didn't have to spend any time with me, but he was. So through that, God was there showing me what it was like, what it looked like for a man to follow God and to chase after God. And I went through that process, me thinking that my stepdad getting caught with narcotics and going to prison that it was all over for me. But that whole time it wasn't even about me because God was using, God was working something in me, but he was also working something in my stepdad, who I call my dad now, he was working something in him. And from a man who didn't even want to talk to God, didn't even want to believe in God, now is sitting in a chair here, listening to someone talk about God, <laughs> right? And so I saw that God was present through the midst of each and every one of these things. And I started to realize, you know what? Maybe I'm not fatherless. I say that not because my, my dad's in my life now. I say that because God was being a good father to me the whole time. And I remember one, I remember I, remember I was sitting down at, outside of an IHOP. I was in, I was in Florida at, at, a, at a retreat with my youth group. And Brian came out to me and he sat down next to me. And I was crying because it was the first time, it was the first time, I think it was like 17 or 18, that my dad didn't call me to tell me happy birthday. So I was out there crying and I was hurting. Because it was the first time that, you know, he always told me every birthday, and, and this time it didn't happen. So he comes out, and I'm angry, and I'm pissed, and I'm saying some choice words that I probably shouldn't say. And Brian is like, hey, you know, it's going to be okay. Like, God is your father. And I, was, I didn't want to hear that. And I said, Brian, why am I even here? What, 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 what does God want to do with me? And he says, well, Donovan, I see you being a father to the fatherless. I was like, okay, whatever. Go back inside. <laughs> Let me finish crying, all right? And now, through that process, God has allowed me to be here at the City Life Center to work with young people 
And uh, because I felt that pain of fatherlessness, I would say almost 90% of the men that walked through that door and women that walked through that door, their dads have walked out on them. And God has allowed me to resonate with them. God has allowed me to go through that so that way I can resonate with them and I can understand what they're feeling, but I can also guide them to a perfect father. You see, today's message is about, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know what to title today's message. I never title my messages. I realized I get too far into it and I, feel, I realized, oh crap, I got to name this thing. All right. As Father's Day, obviously we want to honor our, honor our earthly fathers. And, and you guys deserve every aspect of that honor and every aspect of that respect. But if we look to today's message, we realize that the only reason Abraham was a good father was because he had a good father. And it wasn't Haran, or it wasn't Terah. It was Jesus. And Jesus handled him with love. When Abraham ran away, he brought him back with love. He gave him a platform. And every time that I screw up and every time that we screw up, I want you to know there's hope for each and every one of you because God will handle you with love. I used to think that consequences were punishment, but they simply are just what they are, consequences. But I want you to know that through, that through that process and through your mess and through anything that you're going through, God is there and he's waiting for you. And if you say, well, I don't know where the last place I talked to him was. I haven't even, I've never even talked to him. Awesome. You're in the right place today. Because there's leaders in this room that are willing to introduce you to him. And, I, and I'm telling you right now, God is excited to meet you. He's excited to meet you. And he's so, so in love with you. You can imagine as we see these men fail and fail and fail and fail throughout just these three men. You would think that a father would be like, dude, get, get the heck out of here. You are not what I thought you were going to be. I'm going to use somebody else. No, he stayed consistent. Even when, even when we weren't faithful and we weren't good to God, he's still faithful. Even when I wasn't doing my due diligence and pre preparing and seeking God for this message, he still was faithful to show up and give me something to talk about. So I want you to know something. I may not know what it's like to be a father. I may not know what it's like to be a husband. I may not know what it's like you know, to be a grandfather or any of these things. But I can tell you one thing. I know what a good father looks like. Because the same father that I know is the same father that, you, that I would like you to know and I would love for you to know. I used to hear this excuse all the time. Well, I didn't know my dad, so I don't know how to be a dad. Can I, can I tell you something? i just be real with you right now. That is the biggest lie I've ever heard. Because I know some Christian men who have awesome dads, and they are crappy leaders and crappy fathers. I also know men who never knew their dad, but they know who Jesus is, and they are the best dads to their kids. So that's a lie. It's a lie that we've adopted. The way you become a good father is if you seek the good father, and that's Jesus. So I want to wrap it up with this. God is the perfect father. It's an understatement to say that. I think he's more than a perfect father. God is faithful to be a good father even when we choose to act like we're not his children and go against him. And the last, last thing that I want you to understand is that God handles everything with love. And I'll end it with this little thing. I remember I, I was in this leadership meeting and uh, I, had just, I had just shared that I had dad issues. I didn't know where a lot of these things were coming from and it was because it was I had dad issues. And I remember I was talking to our executive director, Gilbert, and I had to confess. I said, Gilbert, I'm messing up. He said, why? I said, well, I was at my grandma's house. We were looking through old pictures. And I found a picture of my biological dad. And he looked just like me. 
and it excited me. So I stole the picture and I put it in my visor. And everybody that got into my truck, I said, hey, do you want to see my dad? And the reason I did that because I wanted for them so bad to say, man, he looks just like you. Because that gave me comfort. That made me feel like, I'm not fatherless. I look like my dad. I have a dad out there. But little did I know that was hurting me inside. I was living for that next time for someone to say, hey, you look like your dad or you're acting like your dad. And I'll never forget this. Gilbert, with tears in my eyes and tears in his eyes, he said, can I tell you something? I said, yeah, please tell me something. He said, right now, you look just like your father. But he's never seen my dad. He wasn't talking about him. He was talking about Jesus. He said, you look just like him because of what you're admitting. And I, and I say that to tell you in this room, each and every one of you, regardless of where you're at, regardless of what you've done, and regardless your relationship with Jesus or how much you don't like God or how much you're iffy with God, I'm gonna tell you right now, you look just like your father. You look just like him. You look just like him. Thank you guys so much for having me here. And uh, I really appreciate you guys. Thank you. You know, can we can we bow our heads and close our eyes? You know, as Donovan was closing, I just felt so moved and reminded of the love of God. And no matter how many times we run away from him, no matter how many times we feel distant from him, God's heart and his arms are always open. And if you're here right now, and maybe this is a moment for you that you need to run to him for the first time. Maybe it's a, the tenth time and you need to run back to him. With every head bowed and eye closed, if you want to make that, that choice today and go to the Father and put your trust in him, I want you to just raise your hand with every head bowed and eye closed. Amen. So if you raise your hand or even if you wanted to, I want you to just repeat this prayer with me. And if, you've already, if you already have that, that relationship with God, I want you to repeat this prayer too as a reaffirmation of your faith. And I love that God makes it so simple. The Bible says in the book of Romans that all you have to do to have this relationship with God, that all you have to do to start it is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the dead. It's almost like God made it as simple as a phone call. Made it as simple as a text. All you have to do is pick up the phone and say, God, I'm here. I miss you. So I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I put my heart and my faith in you. You are my trust. You are my hope. You are my heart's desire. I want to see you as my father. And I want to see myself the way that you see me. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave. Be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. In Jesus' name. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. 
First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.